We read about the martyrs for Christ in Revelation 6, verses 9 to 11. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, until you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Then a white robe was given to each of them, and it was said to them that they should rest a little while longer, until both the number of their fellow servants and their brethren, who would be killed as they were, was completed. Welcome to Souls Under the Altar, a program that reviews the stories of God's persecuted from the past and the present. Your host for this program is Etienne McClintock. Dear friend, greetings and a warm welcome. Thank you for joining me on this program. It is the first of many programs on those who are persecuted and martyred for Jesus Christ right around the world. In this program, we will deal with some fascinating stories, some modern stories, some old historic stories. For example, if you ever wondered, except for Stephen, who was martyred and persecuted in the book of Acts, what happened to some of the other apostles and the other disciples? What about James, the apostle of Jesus, called James the Great? Or Philip, one of the seven deacons? He was an evangelist. Or what happened to Matthew? We also have James the Less. We have Mark, who wrote the Gospel of Mark. Peter, what happened to Peter and Paul and Matthias, who replaced Judas? What about Andrew or Thaddeus, also referred to by the name of Judas? Or Nathaniel, also known as Bartholomew? Or what about Doubting Thomas, that disciple who, who said, My Lord and my God, after he saw the nail prints and also the scar in the side, the wound in the side of Jesus' side after his resurrection? Or what about Simon the Zealot, or Luke, or even John who was exiled to Patmos? During our study together and our research of history, we will be looking at many of these stories. But we will also be looking at many modern day stories. Did you realize that there is a growing list of 21st century martyrs who have lost their lives and by their own blood have testified to their love for the Lord Jesus Christ? We'll be dealing with these during these programs. We'll have Voice of the Martyrs come and visit with us and give us regular updates on a pretty much monthly basis. And in the meantime, we will be looking at some historic stories. But I want to start with you a story that actually fits into the 21st century. And it is from a lady called Gracia Burnham. And in her book, you can read all about it. The book is In the Presence of My Enemies. But she writes a foreword to another book. It's called Fox's Voices of the Martyrs published by Voice of the Martyrs out of the USA. Now, she says, now, when you started following Jesus, what did you expect it would be like? Um, Did you read the verses in the Bible who talk about uh, those who suffer for Christ's sake? And she says, while she was growing up, she read some of these, but they didn't really feel that they applied to them. I mean, after all, they lived in the USA. It was a free country. The Constitution guaranteed religious liberty. And her husband and themselves, while they were working there, actually felt called to go overseas as missionaries. Now, that's a very noble thing to do. And many people have called. I guess many more have been called and only few have answered. But those who have answered normally have had the admiration and respect of those others who stay behind in first world countries to go and suffer some deprivations, you know, to give up some of the luxuries and the freedoms of the first world and perhaps even give up the old American dream. But she said in that call to go and to be a missionary overseas, she didn't really hear the call of God to also suffer for his sake. 
And she's pretty honest in them when she says that maybe they may not even have answered the call if they knew there was some suffering or persecution involved. She was perfectly content to live in the small barrio in the Philippines with a jungle pilot husband and their three children. They loved their ministry, they loved their lives overseas, and they loved each other and they loved the Lord Jesus Christ. But then came that day, May 27, 2001. Martin, her husband, had to go to the southern islands of Palawan to fill in for another mission pilot. And she actually decided to join him on that day. He had a very heavy flight schedule, which would uh, need some help and assistance, and they would be away for a week. The great thing was it would also give them a chance to celebrate their wedding anniversary. They left their children with some co-workers and they said they would be returning back in about seven days. But you know, life doesn't always go as we plan. They were taken hostage by militant Muslims while in Palawan. And for the next year, they lived with the Abu Sayyaf in the jungles of Basilan, running from the military, sleeping on the jungle floor, starving at times, drinking dirty river water and watching the atrocities that these men were inflicting on others, all the while wondering if they would ever see their homes or their children and families again. And in one swift moment in time, as she writes, everything that she had, except for her husband Martin who was with her, who was also a captive, was taken away from her. When everything is gone, she says, and you're in an uncomfortable position, you actually see what's really in your human heart. And she says what she saw in hers was not pretty. She had always prided herself that she was a good Christian. I mean, after all, there was some evidence for that. Had they not left the American dream to go overseas as missionaries? And uh, now they're in the jungle. They've come face to face with who they really are. And she says the grace here that she saw, she didn't like. She saw a hateful grace here. There was times when she really hated those Muslims for what they were doing to them, for the pain they were causing, the separation from her and her children. She also saw a covetous grace here. Now, at times there was no food. They were starving. They were hungry sometimes for many days. And when she saw someone with food who they didn't want to share with them, she coveted that food. She saw a despairing grace here. And she says also a faithless grace here. She saw darkness in her heart that only these circumstances were able to reveal to her. Darkness she'd never actually been aware of. She began to cry out to God to change her. And God and his faithfulness did just that. As the months rolled on, she began to see her captors as needy men, which they really were. Her hatred was replaced with concern and even love for them. Contentment and joy began to grow in her heart and she began to acknowledge God's goodness for her on a daily basis instead of looking at all the trials, thanking God for the little things that she could, you know, the sunshine or the rain or that they had some food or were able to drink some reasonably good water. She said that God never left them and he never left her either because she found him while she was in the jungle and she said she was so grateful for his work in her life during that year that she was a captive. Now, after 376 days as a hostage in a gun battle, unfortunately, her husband Martin was killed. She was wounded, but also rescued on that same day. And when she got home to America, she had learned that God had been touching the hearts of countless believers to pray for her and her husband and her family. 
She says, what would we have done without the prayers of God's people? Because that helped sustain her, but ultimately helped her to get over the darkness she experienced in her own heart at the beginning. She was able to surrender those feelings to the Lord, and he was able to fill her with his love, his joy, and his peace. Now, Gracia says, based on her experience, the life of a Christian is not so much God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life, but she says it's more if anyone desires to come after me, that is come after Jesus, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. The testimony of the martyrs as we'll go through this program will challenge your faith. I don't know what cross you would be called to bear and what your crosses that you have to bear today. I know that at times it won't be easy. And as we listen to these stories, as we have Voice of the Martyrs share with us, we will remember and we'll have to remember that what we're talking about here are not superhuman beings. They are not super Christians. They are ordinary men and women who have faced situations beyond themselves and have died to themselves and found Christ's grace to be sufficient for them. You know, grace is given to us to to cater to the needs that we have during the day. And great grace is given to us when great grace is needed, when we face difficulties that are bigger than ourselves. Now, in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21 and 23, we read the following. It says, For to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow in his steps. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously. Jesus suffered for us and he left an example? I've wondered about this story at time because there's no doubt that Jesus suffered. There's no doubt that Jesus was martyred, but he was so much more than the martyred. He gave his life for all so that he can redeem us. But we have to consider that as an example for us that we should also suffer. Not deliberately, of course, because it says that those who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. It seems like we will, we will just attract that kind of attention to us. Um, even the, the Old Testament says that he who departs from evil makes himself a prey. Now, Jesus actually pronounces a blessing on people who are persecuted in that beautiful Sermon on the Mount, as recorded in Matthew chapter 5. We can read the following, and I'm reading from verse 10. Jesus said, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Now, let's consider the following principles that we get from these three verses in Matthew chapter 5 from verse 10 to 12. The blessing is pronounced on those who are persecuted, but not just persecuted because there's a disagreement or an argument or the neighbors are being too loud or they they do done something nasty to you or there's an argument within the family. It says, blessed is, the blessing is pronounced on those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. Then the second point we can take out of there and Jesus makes it a little bit more emphatic the blessing is pronounced on those who are reviled who are persecuted even when they are slandered and ultimately falsely accused for Jesus sake 
So we have to take into consideration that it is all about Jesus. If our life centers on Jesus Christ, He is our Lord and our Savior. He is our best friend. He is the person of whom we have our fondest thoughts and feelings and affections. He's the last one we think of when we go to bed. He's the first one we think of when we wake up. If we are persecuted in a relationship like that, that is when we find ourselves to be blessed. Now, if you don't have a relationship like that with the Lord presently, there's no reason why you can't come to the Lord just as you are. Don't try to change yourself and make yourself better and say, Lord, I'm going to try, first of all, to create this relationship with you and then I'll come to you. You can't. We are incapable of producing that. We have a fallen human nature. We need to come to the Lord just as we are, and He will transform and change us. If you feel drawn to Jesus, do not wait for a moment. Go to Him just as you are and let Him take a hold of you. He loved you. He's demonstrated that in His redemption for you. And He says that if you come to Him, and even if you go through deprivations because of His name's sake, you are blessed. Now, Jesus also said that the prophets of God suffered similar persecution at the hands of evil men. But the interesting thing is, he says, when we are persecuted for righteousness sake and for Christ's sake, even when we are falsely accused, what are we to do? Well, the natural response would be for us to look down, feel despondent, fret about the injustice and hope for justice to be served. But Jesus admonishes us to rejoice And be exceedingly glad. Now, how is this possible that you can rejoice and be exceedingly glad when your rights are being violated, when you are being persecuted for Christ's sake? Well, it is only by the grace of God. You see, when you walk in such a close relationship with Jesus, when Christ is within you, your hope of glory, when you've been baptized with the Holy Spirit, the fruit that the Holy Spirit brings in this train is love and joy and peace and long-suffering and patience and gentleness and self-control. All these good things come in the train. But ultimately, we can also see that in the story of others who have been persecuted. We can look at the 12 apostles, the 12 disciples. You know, they all fled when Jesus was arrested that night. But then we see that after they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and remember that Jesus said that they will receive power when the Holy Spirit had come upon them, and that happened at Pentecost. Well, subsequent to Pentecost, they were preaching and proclaiming with boldness in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it says that the Sanhedrin had uh, had taken them in. And we read in Acts chapter 5 and verse 40 where the Sanhedrin called the apostles to them. And they said that they beat the apostles and then they commanded them that they should not speak in the name of Jesus. And after they had threatened them, they let them go. So then it says the apostles in verse 41 of Acts 5 says, So they departed from the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. The gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is glorious. It's referred to as the everlasting gospel. It tells us that we are sinners and in need of a Savior and that God had supplied the Savior and had created the conditions which is required from the Lord to to bring us into reconciliation back to God, to present us faultless before the presence of His glory with exceeding joy. And in this process, when people change allegiances from the world and from the devil to God, there are people who do not like the differences seen in others. Matter of fact, they are hated. 
And we see in the words of Jesus in the Gospel of John, John chapter 15, where Jesus makes the following comment. He says, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. We're going to be talking about people who have been hated by the world for no other reason than they were following Jesus Christ and living a godly life, living a a righteous life in Jesus Christ. You know, the, the gospel brings salvation to all men. It is to be a message of peace. When Jesus' birth was announced in the early chapters there of the gospels, it said peace and goodwill toward men. But we know that people do not wish to respond to the gospel in that way. They may be under conviction, and conviction can also melt the heart, but it can also do something different where there's opposition and resistance and an aggression which is hard to fathom, almost like a satanic hatred towards the truths of Jesus Christ. And this can be manifested in a variety of ways, either against the person who preaches or even the person who leads a godly life. But the gospel preaches a cross. Jesus says that anyone who wants to come after him as a disciple is to deny himself, take up his cross daily, and to follow Jesus. We read this in Luke chapter 9 and verse 23. Now, there is a gospel that actually leaves the cross out altogether. It doesn't really preach repentance, but it preaches prosperity nonetheless. It is called the prosperity gospel. Now, there are some elements of truth to this gospel because some of it is taken from the scripture, but the emphasis is wrong and the conclusions are wrong. Basically, what they say is if you want to rid yourself from the curse of economic poverty, Uh, You need to sow your financial seed that is a representation of your faith into a ministry, typically their ministry, to be delivered from this curse. And that this is a cross that you do not need to bear. But Jesus' words, as we read earlier there in the book of Matthew, Jesus said, Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So Jesus did speak about a reward. He said, Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. He didn't say, Great is your reward here on earth. Because the challenge we face is that when we come to the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and accept Him and become part of His kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, our citizenship actually transferred. We're talking about spiritual things here, of course. Our citizenship actually transferred. And as we read in Philippians chapter 3, verse 20, our citizenship is now in heaven. So we are no longer of the world in the sense that we are no longer loyal to the world. We're loyal to God first. And then second to that, we will love our fellow man and be loyal to our fellow man. But God comes first. So Jesus says that we will have a reward in heaven. So ultimately, God will reward his people for their fidelity and faithfulness to him. The reward may not come during the short life on earth. However, the reward is guaranteed by Jesus for he's persecuted in heaven. We have the story of John the Baptist being thrown into prison. And he's in prison now. He'd sent people out to come and talk to Jesus and say, are you the one or should we look for another? 
And then Jesus tells him to go and tell John the Baptist what they saw. He said, the blind see and the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And then when they departed and went and told John the Baptist, who was now in prison, Jesus said to the multitude concerning John, What did you go and see in the wilderness? A reed shaken by the wind? No, but what did you go to see? A man clothed in soft garments? Indeed, those who wear soft garments are in king's houses. But what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I say to you, and more than a prophet. For this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face. You will prepare your way before you. Assuredly, I say to you, among those born of women, there has not risen one greater than John the Baptist. But he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Dear friend, if you ever concerned or worried about, you know, you're not getting recognized here on earth, there doesn't seem to be many people who appreciate you. We know that the Lord Jesus Christ appreciates you. And whatever happens on this short existence on this planet, ultimately this is only a dress rehearsal. This is not the real deal. The real life, the everlasting life which Jesus wants each one of us to have will come in the future. And it says that John the Baptist born on this planet, not anyone greater than him has ever risen. And then these beautiful comments. He who is the least in the kingdom of heaven will even be greater than John the Baptist was while he was here on this earth. And it says, And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffered violence and the violence take it by force. Now, I want to share with you the story of John the Baptist when he was martyred for his faith. And we know that Herod actually had him beheaded. But there's an interesting aspect to the story. And I'm reading from the gift written. It's a paraphrase written by William Ackland. This is reading out of Matthew chapter 14. And I'm going to read from verse 3. It says, This was the same Herod who had ordered the imprisonment of John at the urging of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife. John had renounced Herod, saying, you have broken the law by taking this woman for yourself. So why did Herod not like John? He knew that John was a prophet. He believed that John was a prophet. It's because he had said that what he was doing was wrong. And the fallen human nature doesn't like to be told that you're wrong. Fallen human nature doesn't like to be told that you are unrighteous and practicing evil. And then reading from verse 5, it says, Herod was so angry that John had denounced him in this way that he wanted to put him to death. But he dared not, for the people believed that he was a prophet. But on the day of Herod's birthday, when the celebrations were in full swing, Herodias' daughter Salome danced before him in a very alluring manner which aroused his lustful nature. He was so entranced by her dance that he made a very rash oath that he would give her whatever she asked. Prompted by the urging of her mother, she said, Give me the head of John the Baptist on a plate. Immediately he heard this dreadful request. Herod regretted making such an open-ended offer. But because he had made a promise, confirmed by an oath, and because there were so many witnesses present who heard what he had said, he issued a command that the girl had her request and it was to be carried out immediately. So he sent his guards to the prison with the order that John be beheaded. 
When his head was brought on a plate and given to the girl, she took it to her mother. In great sadness, John's disciples went to the prison and took his body away and buried it. And when they had done this, they went and told Jesus what had happened to God's chosen messenger. Dear friend, even he who was the greatest of men ever born, according to Jesus, more than a prophet, was martyred because of his faith, simply because he stood for righteousness and the principles of God's government. You know, Jesus made a statement to encourage us while we are on this planet, while we are here on earth. We're not going to always have a good run. Following the Lord Jesus includes taking up our cross daily to follow him. The cross involves self-denial. The cross involves us dying in Jesus Christ. But praise God that the death that Jesus died is a death that we deserve, but we do not have to taste. We can, through Christ and by faith, say that we have been crucified with him. And although we live, although we've been crucified with Christ, it's no longer us who live, but Jesus Christ who lives in us. And the life which we are to live on this planet, we are to live by the faith of the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us. Now, Jesus encouraged his disciples, and it's the same encouragement that he brings to us even today that we will have trials, we will have perplexities, we will have persecutions. And as we see these on the horizons getting closer and closer, even in first world countries, we can read the following encouraging words from Jesus. This is from John chapter 16 and verse 33. These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Yes, dear friend, Jesus has overcome the world for you and for me. He's given us a call. He wants us to be his disciples. He wants us to come after him, deny ourselves and to follow him. He wants a full heart surrendered to him. He wants to have a close, intimate relationship with you and with me. And as we look at people who have made that decision to follow Jesus even unto death, we pray that you will be encouraged by their testimony. We look forward to catching up with you next time here on Souls Under the Altar. May God bless you. Until then. Thank you for joining us on Souls Under the Altar. If you'd like more information about today's program or if you have any questions, please contact 3ABN Australia Radio by phoning 0249733456 or you can send an email to radio at 3abnaustralia.org.au. You can also contact us on our 3ABN Australia Radio Facebook page. We'd love to hear from you.